through the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll begin by reading at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. And then picking up in verse 39 of chapter 11, and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Well, Lord willing, I'd like to spend some time with you considering the subject of faith. And the first question we have to ask ourselves is, what is faith? Well, we can say a lot about it. We could say, first of all, that faith is absolutely vital to the Christian life, that faith is essential if we are to please God. And in this chapter, in verse 6, we see that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we're reminded in Romans 14 that whatever is not from faith is sin. So faith is, is a crucial thing, to say the least, in the Christian life. It's the very basis of Christian salvation, the grace of God through faith, not of ourselves, not of works. In Galatians uh, 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Christian is saved through faith, and as he is looking to God, he is to live his life on earth in the flesh by faith. The Christian... The Christian's experience of God in this life is predominantly related to faith. In Matthew 13, we see that the demonstration of the Lord's power is relative to faith. And Jesus uh, says that Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief, because of their lack of faith. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you all things for which you pray and ask, Believe that you've received them, and they'll be granted to you. So we see that God is is personal. He is responsive. He sees us. He takes notice of what we do. And faith comes into play in a significant way here. The ultimate realization of the salvation of our souls in heaven is the outcome of our faith, First Peter 1 says. Our salvation is the proof of our faith. And as we go on in the world, we are protected by the power of God through faith. Our faith is the victory 
that has overcome the world. First John chapter 5 tells us. And here we see, <clears throat> keeping all this in view, that faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for. It is the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not an emotion. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a substance. And the Greek word <clears throat> there for assurance is hypostasis. That is, a, a substratum, a foundation. And the implication here is that the Christian, by faith, is standing under a guarantee. He has a legitimate claim to something. He is entitled to realize the promises of God as a man would exercise his legal claim to a property. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction or the proof of things not seen. And in this chapter, we have the great list here of the Hall of Faith of those who have gained approval by God by faith. By faith, Abel obtained the testimony that he was righteous. By faith, Enoch did not see death. It says that he obtained the witness that before his being taken up. He was pleasing to God. By faith, Noah escaped the destruction of the flood. How? How did he escape? In reverence, he heeded God's warning about future unseen events and built the ark. He escaped the wrath to come by faith. By faith, he became an heir of righteousness. Look at the life of Abraham, he was called by God and went out obeying God, not knowing where he was going. He lived by faith as an alien, we're told, in a land of promise, which is a symbol, a glimpse of, of further realities. By faith, he went out. By faith, he walked the earth, obeying the voice of God, although never arriving at the fullness of the promise in his life. By faith, he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he was claiming what was his by right. By faith, he was looking to what was to come. What is faith? Faith is steadfastly looking to God in hope regarding future unseen things having tasted something of God, having been assured by God that there is more to come. The Christian has been sealed by God. He has the Holy Spirit in his heart as a pledge from God. He has the guarantee within him that there is more to come. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer in John 17, said to the Father regarding the church, I have made your name known to them and will make it known. So, you see, there is always more to come in the Christian life. Well, how can the Christian persevere in difficult times? How can he confidently claim the promises of God? How does he know that God will never desert him or forsake him? How can he say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what can man do to me? The answer is the assurance of faith, the substance, the proof of faith. 
How do I know this is true? The lost man looks at the promises of God and he sees nothing because he has nothing in him. He has no assurance, right? These promises are empty. There's nothing here. But the child of God has a pledge, has the Holy Spirit within him. He has the proof of the love of God poured out within his heart. He knows that God will not disappoint. He himself has said, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you. For Abraham, the assurance of the faithfulness of God was there. It was real. It was tangible. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, it says, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. No man would ever write such a story for himself. Abraham is a hundred years old when Isaac is born, and God has said to him that it is in Isaac Abraham's descendants will be called. But now we see Isaac, the one born according to the Spirit, being offered up willingly by Abraham to God. Well, what do we see? We see that Abraham's faith is not on earthly things. His faith is not even in his only son, Isaac. Abraham's faith was proven to be in God, who is able to raise people even from the dead. Did Abraham receive the promises? Isaac was a child of the promise, and he received him back, as it were, from the dead. But Abraham did not see the consummation of things on earth. As Jesus told his disciples, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There was more to come. What about Isaac? Isaac did not know what was to happen in the future, but by faith he blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding future things. In faith, Isaac is looking to unseen things. What about Moses? By faith, Moses escaped Egypt and passed through the Red Sea. He endured as seeing him who is unseen. Moses endured by faith. Faith is looking past present circumstances to future unseen things promised by God. We have a glimpse of the things of God now in this life. We have seen something of him. And we expect more to come. Did Moses see God? Well, in Exodus, we see that the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. The presence of God went with Moses. Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And the Lord said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Moses knew God, Moses spoke closely with God, but even the glory that Moses saw was the back of God. There was more glory to come. The glory that Moses beheld was the glory of the ministry of death in the law. 
the glory of the ministry of the Spirit was yet to come. All these saints lived by faith. They lived by faith and they died in faith. And as Brother Charles pointed out a few weeks ago, some of them escaped the edge of the sword by faith and others were put to death by the sword by faith. Some were raised from the dead by faith and others were killed by faith. Some quenched the power of fire while others were tortured by faith. Antithetical outcomes, polar opposites, yet all of these were approved by faith. Pleasing to God. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews 11. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. Look at verse 39. All these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now look at verse 17, the latter part of verse 17. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. And then look at verse 33. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises. Well, which is it? Did they or did they not receive the things of God, the promises of God? Well, the answer is yes and no. They received something of God in their lifetime. A testimony, a witness, a reality of God himself. And having seen God, they knew that there was more to come. Brethren, have you seen something of God? Do you know him? True faith, although it should be publicly evident, is ultimately a very private thing. A man may walk by faith, he may live a life of obedience, and yet everything may seem to go wrong in the eyes of the world. He may appear to be a complete failure. And if you spend some time studying verses 35 to 38 of Hebrews 11, you'll see that for many saints of old, things went terribly wrong in the eyes of the world. Faith costs them very dearly, and it may cost us dearly. Others close to us may look at us in our troubles and think that obviously we're in the mess we're in because we're not seeking the Lord. And that may be completely incorrect. And you may actually even think this of yourself. But the truth of the matter may be that you are in your present difficulty precisely because you are walking by faith. Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice, says in Proverbs 16. Well, praise God, by the power of the Spirit, we can throw off the voice of the world and those around us and even our own thoughts and emotions at times and persevere. We may not see the future. Others may ridicule us. Friends may fail us. Foes assail us. And still, we can look to God in faith, in assurance of faith. But my righteous one shall live 
by faith. Living by faith is not a natural thing for men to do. A man does not just decide to live by faith. God reveals something of himself to men. And this knowledge is so glorious, it is so profound, it is so transformative that a person is driven on in this world by faith. What we have in Hebrews 11 is a tremendous encouragement to persevere in faith, to endure, to press on in Jesus Christ. And all the examples given here are of real people with real weaknesses and problems. We could easily spend the remaining time we have together just talking about all of their weaknesses. It wouldn't take us long in these examples here given to us to find unbelief and deception and murder and fear and adultery and idolatry. Scripture presents these people to us, warts and all. And when you consider their lives in the Old Testament and then read this passage, you see that perhaps the greatest encouragement here is that sinners can in fact be approved to God by faith. (laughs) You see the grace of God poured out here on sinners. Well, how do we go on from here? What is the conclusion of our consideration of all those who've gone before us, who've died in faith? Chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. It falls to us now. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance as they did. The church triumphant is watching us, as it were. A great cloud of witnesses is surrounding us. That's, that's the language here of this, of this letter. We have the examples of the saints of old that have gone before us, and they're urging us on. The church has been brought to this point in history by faith, and now the author of this letter exhorts us to press on further still. So let me ask you, what is it that still remains to be laid aside in your life? What is it that is still holding us back? What is keeping us from running the race that is set before us? Hindrances in the Christian life do not always come in the form of sin. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance it says, and the sin which so easily entangles us. And I think it is striking that Scripture puts it for us in this way. Yes, clearly, there are those things in our lives that, that, that tend to grow up around us, sinful things that entangle us, that trip us up, stumbling blocks, things that are obviously categorically wrong. But there are other encumbrances as well, things which are much more subtle, things which are not wrong in and of themselves, but things which are wrong for you because they keep you from running to Jesus Christ. Only you and God know what those things are. 
One man may have something in this world and it's nothing to him. Another man can have the same thing and worship it instead of Jesus Christ. So you see, we need the Holy Spirit. We're desperate that the Holy Spirit would guide us and lead us. We're exhorted here to lay aside anything which keeps us from God. Anything which slows us down. Cecil Alexander in his hymn, put it this way, Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden store, from each idol that would keep us, saying, Christian, love me more. How are we to run with endurance the race that is set before us? No two of us are running the same course, are we? Some are on smooth plains right now in their Christian life. Others are down low in the valley in the midst of suffering and trials. Others are high on the mountains experiencing unique nearness with God. The Lord has sovereignly set a race before each one of us that's unique. And I think it's a glory to Christ that no two of us are experiencing exactly the same things at the same time. The life of Joseph was certainly not the life of Sarah or Samson. Well, we have the benefit of all these unique examples of faith in chapter 11. And we are called to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. But you know, all these examples pale in comparison to the ultimate, perfect example of faith that Scripture sets before us in the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of faith. We need to maintain a personal, red-hot, fervent fixation on Jesus Christ. We need hearts that are united by faith in Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of faith. Jesus Christ is our great example of faith. You know, we we talk a lot about faith in Jesus Christ, and rightly so. Ephesians tells us that it's in Jesus Christ that we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. By grace are we saved through faith in Jesus Christ. But did you know that the life of Jesus Christ on earth was a life of faith in his Father? In chapter 2 of Hebrews, of Jesus It says, I will put my trust in him. Jesus exhibited trust in his father. Through his earthly life, his suffering, his death, he became a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make satisfaction for the sins of the people. In Hebrews 3 verse 3, it says that he, Jesus Christ, was faithful to him who appointed him. 
Christ was faithful as a son over his house. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. Why? Because of the joy set before him. He was looking forward. He was looking past the cross to what lied ahead. He endured the cross because of the joy that awaited him with his father. Is our faith weak? Do we hesitate to obey, to trust the Lord? What are we to do? Consider Jesus Christ. He has opened the way for us to draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. You have the legitimate claim of the promises of God. Don't let yourself become disappointed or or discouraged with your lives in this world. As A.W. Pink put it, faith endures as seeing him who is invisible. Faith endures the disappointments, the hardships, the heartaches of life by recognizing that all comes from the hand of him who is too wise to err and too loving to be unkind. Only by faith can we believe that what Christ said is true when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. What we have here is not it. There is more to come. Hebrews 13:14 says, here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Brethren, seek what is to come. We need a better country, a heavenly country, a country of our own. This world will never satisfy us. We have not come to a mountain that can be touched. As Isaiah puts it, we have a strong city. We have a better possession, a lasting one. Are you looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells? Are you counted with those who do not make full use of this world, knowing that the form of this world is passing away? Pink also has some other thoughts here. He says, so long as we are occupied with any other object than God himself, there will be neither rest for the heart nor peace for the mind. But when we receive all that enters our lives as from his hand, then no matter what may be our circumstances, our surroundings, we shall be enabled to say, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. But that is the language of faith, not of sight or of sense. There is no higher aspect of faith than that which brings the heart to patiently submit unto whatever God sends us, to meekly acquiesce unto his sovereign will and say, Shall I not drink the cup of suffering which my Father has given me? Faith, when it reaches the pinnacle of attainment, declares, Though he slay me, 
yet I will trust in him. None of us here can go on in this world without faith in God. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen.